राधे Welcome to Ampranam. Thanks so much for joining us, your live presence, live connection online as well. So today we are in our penultimate meeting 
the series of lectures that we have been sharing through the last month, basically, here in Mayapur. And at least one day, I want to share a few words about where we are here, you know, Mayapur and the deity of this place, Sriman Mahaprabhu, and what's the, the breadth, the depth of Gaur Tattva, Gaur Lila, Gaur Bhav, and the supremacy. I would like to put, call it today the superlative supremacy of Gaur Lila, which is one of my favorite topics, I must confess, to talk about. <laughs> Not only about Mahaprabhu and about Gorlila, but about trying to establish the the ultimacy of Gorlila, the supremacy of Gorlila among all Lilas, the supremacy of Gortat among all Tattvas, the supremacy of Mahaprabhu among all faces of the Absolute, according to our tradition. Not in any sectarian spirit, but just hopefully in a very inspiring, humbling one. Um, and this is somehow nonetheless connected to what we have been talking about throughout this month, which have been different topics from our recent book on radical personalism. And as I mentioned in, in the very first parts of my book, Mahaprabhu is the, is the dev of radical personalism, so to say, it's the deity of this principle. Radical personalism is nothing but another way of referring to Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Mahaprabhu is the istadeva of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. He's the deity of our Sampradaya. That's a very, very important point to understand. That's why we are called Gaudiya Vaishnavas. Gaudiya has to do with this precise place we are sitting now here. Gaudadesh, Gaudamandal, <laughs> Srinavadivdam, Mayapur. So, and Mahaprabhu is the deity of radical personalism because, again, radical personalism means being as personal as we can to the very root. And Mahaprabhu is Krishna himself trying to explore the depth of his own personality. He's called as the Supreme Personality of Godhead, but the Supreme Personality of Godhead find that is something in him that is perceived by Sri Radha, the Supreme Personality of the Goddess, <laughs> that he doesn't understand fully. So he embarks upon a new eternal project called Gorlila <laughs> to further plumb the depths not, not only of Radha's heart but of who he actually is through the eyes of her through the eyes of love personified hmm. so this is very deep on a theological level and probably complex today's topic may not be that easy I'm not saying the other ones were easy but <laughs> This will be even more complex, but hopefully in an inspiring way. Um, and again, trying to also all of us become aware of where we are here today. What's this place? What's the what's the principle behind this place? Hmm? Why this place is so unique and so special? Sri Mayapur Dam, Sri Navadvip Dam by extension, and Sri Man Mahaprabhu. Hmm? And one of the main points that I like to make when I make this type of presentation is that Mahaprabhu is not only a bridge to Krishna Lila. Mahaprabhu is not only, Gaur Lila is not something that helps us, helps us to get to Vrindavan and it's over. It's like a bridge. You know? So I cross the bridge, I reach my destination, I can burn the bridge now. I don't need it anymore. I won't use it anymore in the future. No. no Gaur Lila is a destiny unto itself. 
of course, Gaur Lila is not different from Krishna Lila in one sense, as, as much as Krishna is not different from Mahaprabhu. So we have also to keep this non-dual foundation in mind. Be careful of thinking of Mahaprabhu and Krishna as two different people, or as Gaur Lila and Krishna Lila as two different Lilas, or as Vrindavan and Navadipa as two different places. <laughs> then we start to navigate the bed a bed dynamics is equal and different the same and different i know it's we, we sometimes our way of thinking is more black and white no it's one or different sorry but your the school the school of thought you belong to is not that way it's one and different so in one sense of course gore lila can be seen as what i like sometimes to call like the pearly gates to brindavan like the entrance door to enter into Braj. I'm not against that idea. The Harinams and Kirtan that Mahaprabhu brought, okay, can, points to, to the goal of Golok Vrindavan. <clears throat> and one, one main reason will be that all the eternal associates of Vrindavan, that we call Ragatmikas, need to see the Ragatmika Braj of Asis, all of them appear in Gorlila as sadhakas, as practitioners. So that's very user-friendly because we have all these gopis and gopas and cowherd village appearing in another lila as devotees and showing by their example what does it mean to be a devotee and pointing to Braj through that example. So since we are talking about Braj here and the connection between Naudi and Braj, let's go, let's go for a minute to Vrindavan and to what's Vrindavan about, what's Vrindavan mood about. Because you cannot speak about Gaur Lila without speaking about Krishna Lila. And you cannot speak about Krishna Lila without speaking about Gaur Lila. At least for us, go with the Abhishnav. We cannot just like, again, separate the two completely. So so what, what's Vrindavan? What's Vrindavan? And by the way, what's Mayapur by extension? What's now? Vrindavan is not a place so much as it is a mood. Or we could say a place made of mood. <laughs> Brindavan is a land made of bhav, in other words. Because sometimes we think, okay, Brindavan is a land made of, of what? Made of a certain feeling of service for Krishna. Every atom there is vibrating in a certain mood. So we talk, yes, a place, we talk about geography, but it's a place made of emotions. It's difficult to understand because imagine if I talk to you about a planet made of emotions. Srila <laughs> Siddha Maharaj will speak about planets of faith. No, there exist planets made of faith. It's like, well, I thought I can be in a planet and have faith. Well, to speak of a planet made of that substance. So in a similar way, there are planets made of faith, planets made of love, planets made of emotion. That's what we call the spiritual world spiritual world world is a planet spiritual it's not made of earth water fire either it's made of emotion so there are different emotions and therefore there are different places you have Vrindavan, you have Vaikuntha, you have Navadvip, you have Ayodhya all of them are places but all of them are emotions that give form to a certain place the places comes out of an uncertain emotional disposition that is there. So what's the emotional disposition that we find in Vrindavan? What's the psychology of Ibrajavasi, to put it in other words? Of course, we can say so much about that. 
but there is one verse in the Bhagavatam, very very nice verse in the eighth canto. This happens in the sorry in the eighth chapter of the tenth canto, and this is in the context of the Damodar Lila. And this is a verse that Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur describes as the Paribhas Sutra of the Krishna Lila, which basically means a short one verse, one verse that fully encapsulates what Krishna Lila is about, especially in Vrindavan, because you have Krishna Lila in Mathura and Dwarka. But what's Krishna's Braja Lila? He says in this verse, chapter 8, 10th canto, verse 45, this given like in so to say, sutra form. Sutra form. Traya chupani sabdischa sankhi yoga stasatvatai upagiya mana mahatmyan arim samanyatatmajam. So basically, the verse says Krishna, who is known in the Upanishads and by the great sages and scriptures as the supreme absolute. That's the first part of the book. Then harim samanyatatmajam. He is seen by Yashoda as her own child. So basically that's the, the how to say in English, trademark of Vrindavan, which means outside of Vrindavan, Krishna is known and, as, and famous as God, as the source of everything. In Vrindavan, there's a shift in consciousness and everyone sees him as their own in terms of mamata, in terms of a certain type of possessiveness. Krishna is my son, my friend, my lover, my whatever. My so that's the unique contribution, we could say, of Vrindavan. In Vrindavan, Krishna, I like to say, is not God. In Vrindavan, Narayan is God. Krishna is something more, which is very unique. There is something more than God. <laughs> It's a very unique attribute to Vrindavan, their Madhurya. Madhurya means intimacy and sweetness. In Vrindavan, the Brajavasis worship, do not worship Krishna. The Brajavasis worship Narayan and love Krishna. And when, when they worship Narayan, it's for the sake of Krishna, <laughs> generally. If Nanda Baba is worshiping Narayan, he's just thinking about, oh God, please protect my child. As we may be worshiping the deity and our mind is somewhere else. <laughs> that happens also in Golok Vrindavan. Nanda Maharaj is worshiping Vishnu, God, but his mind is somewhere else, Krishna. It's not somewhere else, but you follow my point. <laughs> so that's interesting. In Vrindavan, Brajavasis worship Narayan and love Krishna. Again, Narayan and Krishna are not this a different person, a different expressions of the absolute. That's how it plays out there. And on top of that, that's not only one, that's one layer of the psychology of the Brajavasis. They worship God, they love Krishna, something more than God. Krishna is God beyond God, as we like to say, or God being an aspect of Krishna. But even when Krishna shows Narayan-like features, you know, when sometimes he does a pretty Aishvaric things, he starts to behave like God, starts to lift heels and whatever. No? That, does some type of strange things proper to God, not to Krishna. The Madhuri of the Vrajabhasis, the, the love of the Vrajabhasis increases. 
So that's the nature of the Vrajabhasi psychology. They not only love Krishna when he's simple, like when he starts to behave like God on some level, their love is such that it also increases in those moments. Whatever you put on their way, their love increases. No matter if it's Ajvarya, Madhurya, it's, the nature of their love is always exponentially expansive. Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur gives the example in uh, Raghavarma Chandrika of the president and, and the mother. Hmm? Like a mother has a child and her son becomes eventually the president. So that's kind of Aishvarya. No? The son became president. So the president is giving the presidential talk first day to the nation. And at one point he said, well, and now I want to invite to the podium, podium, you say? My mother. So everyone's like. <laughs> and the mother goes to the podium and she's kind of melting it, but Salia Rasa. And she goes and starts to embrace her child and kiss him. And he's like, no, 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 mom, he, not here. I'm the president now, no, don't forget. But for her mom, now her maternal love increased that now my baby is the president. First is my baby. Then comes is the president. So it's something like that. If you go to Yashoda with the rumor, Krishna may be God, she would say like, oh, how incredible my baby, he's God. First is my baby, then he's God. So try to imagine the psychology of the Brajavasis. Okay, he may, he may be God, but that's secondary. Wow. <laughs> you know, you will never put someone being God as a secondary consideration. <laughs> but that's how it works in Vrindavan. Even if the idea against Krishna may be God, at one point they may even, first they will totally deny that and have arguments to, as we said the other day, cancel that. But eventually, if somehow the idea persists and say, okay, he may be God, but first he's my child, first he's my friend. Like they will be like, wow, my friend is God. But first it's my friend. No, my child is God, so beautiful, my child. <laughs> so on and so forth. So that's the, the unique type of love of the Rajabhasis through which they give themselves fully to Krishna. Mind, body, words, thoughts, emotions, lives, possessions, everything. As Brahma is praying in the 14th chapter of the 10th canto. There's a very beautiful verse there. Uh, because when Brahma went to Vrindavan and witnessed the love of the Vrajabhasis and how Krishna reciprocates with them, he was totally bewildered. We call we call that section Brahma Bimohan Lila, which is the great bewilderment of Brahma. Brahma is the most sober person in the universe, so he's not easily bewildered. <laughs> That's the point. He has four heads, he thinks very soberly in all four, four directions, but at this point in Brindavan, his four heads are spinning like nothing, completely astonished, completely bewildered, seeing the love of the Brajavasis. So he starts to offer prayers to the Brajavasis, to that love in the 14th chapter, that's beautiful section, Brahma Stuti. He says, Oh, how fortunate, how fortunate are these inhabitants of Vrindavan. They have made the supreme absolute truth their friend. Again, he's the absolute truth, but they are they relate to him as a friend. What's this? What's their fortune? 
And then comes another verse, which is the one I want to mention now, verse 35. And Brahma is, is astonished in both directions, like the beauty of Krishna and the incredible, how to say, reward that Krishna himself is, and the incredible love of the Rajavasis. He's bewildered in both directions. So he will tell to Krishna first, what other reward other than you could be possibly there? It's not possible. It's not possible. I've realized that you are the embodiment of all prices, Brown says. And he almost passes out. So there cannot be any other reward apart from you, above from you. That's one thing. And second is, and this is the main point, Brown starts to wonder how you will manage to reciprocate to the love of the Rajavasis. Because he says in the verse, you gave yourself to Putana. Putana came to you as a demoness, demoness, you say? <laughs> Wanted to kill you. And you gave her the position of a mother. Wow. Now that's completely like, how to say, out of balance. No, I want to kill you and you give me Batsalya Ras. It's like, wow, this Krishna is too merciful. That's what Uddhava says in the Bhagavatam. He's so merciful. He gave Putana the position of a mother. So Brahma is asking that. You gave yourself to Putana because you gave yourself in the form of a child and, and, and her a position of a mother. So if you gave such a gift to Putana who wanted to kill you, what you will give to the Vrajavasis who give everything they possess to you. And Brahma starts to think, I don't know, I, I cannot think of any way you could possibly repay. And Krishna, when Brahma is asking that to Krishna, what you will give him, what you will give them, Krishna doesn't reply no, in that moment. He doesn't say, oh, I will repay to them in this way very easily. No, because Krishna starts to to think about that. Hmm, that's a good question. What I will give back to the Vrajavasis. So here we remains silent for a moment. This is chapter 14 of the Bhagavatam. And he will reply to this question a few chapters after, almost 20 chapters after. We have to go to the Rasa Panchadhyay, to the five chapters of the Rasa Lila in the 10th canto. He will reply in chapter 32. So we will go now to the Rasa Lila. And I'm talking about Gaur Lila here. Don't forget. This is all, all this is in the context of Gaur Lila. But let's go to Rasa Lila first. Because Rasa Lila is the zenith of Krishna Lila. And we will see how in that zenith of Krishna Lila, Gaur Lila manifests. So what do we find in Rasa Lila? In Rasa Lila we will find that Krishna is bowing to Radha, basically. That God is bowing to love itself. That's the God we worship. We worship a God who bows down to love. In other words, love is supreme, like John Coltrane will say. <laughs> a love supreme. <laughs> Those who do not have just some scars won't understand what I've just said. Sorry. Anyhow, so 
the whole of the Bhagavatam where we find the Rasa Lila is about the love of Sri Radha, and how that love of Sri Radha is, or the madness of love, even if you want to understand, what's the title of the book? Sri Mad Bhagavatam. Sri Mad. Sri is a name for Radha, Sri. Mad, Madha means madness. Not in Sanskrit, in, in English, Mad. <laughs> it's like this Madha. So Sri Mad means the madness of Sri for Bhagavan. Sri Mad Bhagavatam. That's what the Bhagavatam is about. The madness of in love, the loving madness of Sri Radha for Bhagavan Sri Krishna. That's what the Bhagavatam is about. That's it. The culmination. All, all these other topics that are there are trying to take us to appreciate Sri Mad Bhagavatam, the madness of Sri for Hari, for Bhagavan. So, and this is especially shown in this Rasa Lila, Rasa Panchadhyaya, where Krishna himself is, again, putting his head on the ground and falling at the feet of Sri Radha and worshipping her feet. God bowing, bowing to love, accepting love is the goal of my life. That's a very interesting idea. The, the goal of life is not God. The goal of life is love. And the goal of life is love for us. And the goal of life is love for God. I mean, love for God himself. That's also the goal of life. Krishna has his own goal of life, which is love. I mean, he already has love. But the nature of love is that you can never have enough. So you can always have more. So Krishna is always on a pursuit of further, how to say, further layers and levels of experience of divine love. That's what Leela is about. That's why the Leela keeps going on. If Krishna already attained all the love he could attain and tasted all the love he could taste, we have to cancel all the Leela. There's no more Leela in Golabrinda. There's nothing to do because they are already fulfilled. But since they are not fulfilled, they can always taste more. We have Astakaliya Lila. Every day, every moment, <laughs> the experience of love gets bigger and bigger. So divine love is the goal of our life. Divine love is the goal of the life of God as well. Love reigns supreme for us and for God. And that's the nature of love, as I mentioned. Of course, God is known as Atmaram, self-satisfied. That's in connection to our situation. Many times we are dissatisfied here because of a lack of uh, love. <laughs> and we could say God is self-satisfied because he has that love. But <laughs> our Gaudi Acharyas will be quick to tell, yes, he's self-satisfied, but at the same time, the nature of love is that it always demands more. It always can love more. Love always want to love. Love is a verb. Love is a noun, but love is a verb. <laughs> An active verb, a very active verb. <laughs> so if you have love, you can you love. And if you love, love is not a still thing. It's not like you're like this and I love you. No, I love you. I, I love everything. You don't do anything. No, no. People won't believe you. No, they want to see love in motion. No. <laughs> Love has its very practical, active side. So, so love, again, impels God, his associates, to interact and to increase the experience of love. That's what we call lila. 
and the nature of love is ever expanding. It has no limit. That's why Mahaprabhu said, Pratipadampurnamrita Swadhanam. In eternity, at every step, you will be relishing the nectar of immortality completely forever. Try to try to think about that till your thinking capacities collapse. <laughs> That's the best use we can do of our rational faculties. Make them collapse, collapse in connection to these ideas. Love is always growing, always expanding. There's no end to that. Krishna is every day more beautiful, which means the all-attractive is every day more attractive. Krishna becomes more Krishna. Krishna Krishnaizes himself at every step. Actualizes himself more and more. And the love of the devotees grows accordingly to reciprocate to that updated beauty. And Krishna asks Kavirash Goswami say that, no? Krishna at every moment becomes more beautiful. The gopis, the love for Krishna becomes at every moment more intense. And the two enter into a competition when any of the two accept defeat. That's his poetic way of describing the ever-evolvingness of love. The, that's the nature of love, ever-expansive. So again, the nature of love creates not only Atmaram, fulfillment and satisfaction, but also in the words of Bhaktivinoda Thakur, Pararam. Pararam means sacred dissatisfaction or a constant thirst for more. In that sense, dissatisfaction. <clears throat> a need for more love, a need to love more. Not a, not a need out of emptiness, but a need that comes out of fullness. That's a very different thing. One thing is the need is the necessities we have out of emptiness. A very different thing is when you are full, another set of necessities come in that moment. So those are the needs that even God has. God has necessities. That's why we can offer some service to him. <laughs> if he will be completely satisfied in every sense of the term, there's nothing we have to offer because he's already God, self-satisfied, perfect. And it's like, I can just see him and say, Jai. <laughs> but there's, he has no needs. But in this notion, when we really understand what does it mean to be God, what does it mean for him to love, if you play out the implications of that, you realize God has needs, loving needs, not mundane needs. He needs to love more. <laughs> he needs to experience a new layer, layer of love for eternity. So we worship a needy God, <laughs> if you want to put it like, like that. And that's our great fortune. That offers us the chance to render some service. Because the needs of our beloved will become our need. And we will try to live our life to, to satisfy that need. That's the nature of love. If you have a need and I love you, your needs become my needs. I don't have a separate sense of necessity now because I'm fully identified with you, what's your in your heart. Now that, that's in Sanskrit what we call as tadatmya, oneness or oneness in mood. You know, I totally empathize with what's in your heart, fully identify with that. I forget about myself in divine love, and I dedicate to serve that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, and again, when we say Krishna has needs, Mahaprabhu has needs, <laughs> what to speak of him, those are intense necessities. Again, they're not just like the needs we have. We think 
we think we know what's to have a need. We don't have an idea what's to, to be in need. Unless you learn to love, we don't have a clue of what's to have a real necessity. Sometimes we think, I need a new version of my cell phone and I need, I don't know, to buy some croissant in the in the shop, in the bakery, and I need Wi-Fi and I need hot water in the bathroom and I need the, anyhow, a scooty and I need the, <laughs> oh, you name it. Try to imagine what Krishna says when he starts the sentence saying, I need. I need Sri Radha because if not, I will die immediately. That's a need. Something that if you don't have it, you die. All the needs we have or we want to have, generally instead of saving us from death, are impelling us to death faster and faster, <laughs> are promoting death. Mm -hmm. So the need that in Lila we will find, the need that Krishna will have in separation of Radha, the need that Sri Radha will have in separation of Krishna, that would be so intense. If you study the narrative of the Lila, you will see they are dying in separation from each other. That's one of the symptoms of separation. The last one, Mriti, means death. They never die, just in case. <laughs> They feel like dying. They are just about to die because when you love someone, you're going to live without him or her, technically speaking. So our service in that moment, if they are in, in that in such need and if we identify with their need, they are about to die. We are about to die. And we'll do everything to save their lives. That's a unique notion of Lila. In eternity, each, every one of us will be working very hard every day for eternity to save on a daily basis to save the lives of Radha and Krishna <laughs> when they are separating. And another way of putting it is to, to make them, to, to, to get them together. But another way of saying it is to save their lives because they are dying in separation from each other. So try to imagine, that's a real necessity. They are dying in separation and they need you to help them to save their lives. So we may better prepare ourselves here to render such a service. That's not a cheap thing. That requires so much dedication and sacrifice. So don't come to me and talk about Manjaribab very easily and cheaply because that's not a joke, <laughs> first of all. That requires so much dedication, sacrifice, understanding of, the, of what's actually taking place there. And all this happens because, again, we are talking about God in a very detailed way. Sometimes if we speak about God in a more generic way, there is no, there are no necessities. Again, if we speak about God only as self-satisfied, there's no service for us to offer. Or even if we offer a service, will be from a place of duty. Okay, I serve God because he is to be served, because he is God. But not because he needs that. God cannot need anything from me. On some level, that's the idea. But the more we get into the realm of what we call Lila, Krishna needs you. Radha needs you. Mahaprabhu needs you. <laughs> it's very humbling because at the same time, it's like, who am I? Who am I for God to need me? <laughs> who am I for having to help them to serve their lives? It's like even, how can I even accommodate that? But that's the arrangement of Jogamaya, we could say. Hmm? So the more specific the description of God that we receive, 
we could say that the more detailed will be the service necessity that God will have, will have. And the more necessity that we will have to offer, the more intense will be the service necessity. So anyhow, going back to our story, sorry, I was in, we were in Rasalila, don't lose track. Hmm? Remember? Rasalila, first Brahma asking Krishna how will reciprocate the Brajavas and saying Rasalila, he will reply to that question, how to repay. So after Krishna disappears from Rasalila, as we know, Gopi Singh, Gopi Gita, Jayati Tehedikam, Janmana, Braja, and so on. Krishna reappears. I'm sorry, I'm making a long story short. So much happens in between. And at one point, Krishna appears back to the in front of the gopis, having witnessed the degree of their love and separation while he was hiding behind a tamal tree. He was like kind of camouflaged there because Krishna's hue is like one of the tamal tree. That's why he's called tamal Krishna. So after witnessing that, he reappears in front of the gopis. And he pronounces a very historical verse, which is very connected to Mahaprabhu. So I'm saying all this for you to appreciate what Mahaprabhu was the background of Kaurlila. So what does Krishna say is there? That's the last verse of chapter 32 of the 10th canto. Napariham nirabhadya samjuyam swasadhu krityam vibhudhayu sapiva jamabhajandurjara geha shrinkala samrishyatadva pratyatu sadhana. So basically, Krishna is saying, is contradicting what he said in the Bhagavad Gita. That's very interesting. Because the Bhagavatam is one step further than the Gita. So some things that Krishna says in the Gita, he cannot keep them in the Bhagavatam somehow. <laughs> He's, what does he say in the, in the Gita, chapter 4, verse 11? Let's see, Bhakti Shastri students. Chapter 4, verse 11, what does it say? Jayatamam prapadyante. Bajamiham Bart Last word, Manusya Parta. We cannot leave the verse unconcluded. Manusya Parta Sarvasaha. Okay. <laughs> Sorry to torture you with all this stuff. You didn't bring me the apple in the beginning, so now I, I'm the bad teacher, like torturing <laughs> each of the students. So this verse in the Gita, famous, Krishna is saying, according to how you approach me, I reciprocate accordingly. Basically, he's saying that. First, that's the point. Of, but in this verse that I'm sharing now of the Bhagavatam, Krishna is contradicting himself. In a loving way, he's telling the gopis, I cannot repay back your love. But you can say, but you say that in the Gita. Yeah, yeah, but I was not thinking about the gopis in that moment. <laughs> I spoke in a more general way in that verse. But when I have to go to the level of love of the gopi, I cannot pay back. I, I, what was, I cannot repay back your love. I, I cannot even know how much is the debt. Uh, Krishna said, you love me so much. That's the realization of Krishna. You love me so much that I'm debt with you. So when you want to pay back, first you have to ascertain how much is the debt. If you realize, okay, I don't know, I have a debt, a financial debt with Hridayat Chaitanya, and, and I know, okay, I will pay him. First I will try to figure out how much is the debt. So Krishna tries to, tries to figure out how much is my debt of love to the gopis. And the more he tries to calculate, the more the debt expands. The, calcul the calculator is like, <laughs> explodes. <laughs> 
he realizes I cannot even fathom the dimension of my death. I cannot even say how much do I owe. What to speak of paying it? First, you have to, to get the number and then you have to get the money, so to say. <laughs> Krishna cannot get the number. Krishna can understand how much you love me. I mean, how much do I owe means how much you love me. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. So I realized that I cannot repay back. I accept defeat. God is accepting defeat unto the at the feet of love personified in the form of Sridhar and the Gopis. I'm not able to reciprocate. Let your love be your own reward. That's what in Christianity also they use. I remember Thomas Merton likes this line a lot. Love is its own reward. There's no other reward apart from love. So Krishna says to the Gopis, you have such a love for me. I cannot repay, I cannot re give any reward to that love. That love is in itself the reward. So please be happy with the love you have for me because that love is the highest possible reward. It's such a reward that I myself want to taste that. I myself want to understand what that love is about. I cannot understand what that love is about. Hmm. This is what Sanatan Goswami comments hinting here as Maha, as Krishna announcing his appearance as Mahaprabhu. When he says sadhu, this word sadhu means sadhu, who is like a devotee. So Krishna is saying, I cannot repay back your love for me even if I try for a day of Brahma. That's That said, and the Sanskrit lends itself to that, I will try once in a day of Brahma to appear as a sadhu and try to repay back your love for me. Hmm? And in that context, Krishna is saying, I will appear as Mahaprabhu to taste, to understand your love, to taste your love, to appreciate your love, to honor your love, and to spread the love everywhere as an attempt to reduce my debt. I cannot repay back, so I'll, at least I will try to sing the glories of that love and to make devotees for Radha. That's basically Mahaprabhu's campaign. He's making devotees from Radha has such a need of service. Remember what we were talking before. Krishna has such a need of love, <laughs> and Radha has such a need of service to him that she always is in need of further assistance to serve Krishna. So ultimately, the idea of preaching that we may invoke sometimes, ultimately, in its most esoteric conception, is connected to that. Let's make more servants for Sri Radha to assist her in her tremendous need of service to Krishna. And also let's make new servants. So somehow or other Krishna's Mahaprabhu is trying to diminish his debt. No? Help him to diminish his debt. He's trying to repay back by expanding the glories of her. So let's 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 help Krishna trying to diminish his debt. <laughs> so but again, the main purpose of Mahaprabhu's descent, as we know, is I want to taste the heart of Radha. I want to understand the glories of her love. I want to understand what beauty she sees in me. I want to understand what's the happiness she derives by witnessing my beauty. I don't understand. I don't know what that is. I want to taste that. Those are the three main pur purposes for Mahaprabhu's descent. So Krishna is calling the Bhattam Bhushana Bhushanangam, which means he's the ornament of all ornaments. Hmm? Krishna has ornaments, but it is said that 
he's the ornament of those ornaments, <laughs> not the other way around. It's not that the ornaments make him more beautiful. He makes the ornaments more beautiful because he's the very ornament of all ornaments. But he who is the ornament of all ornaments now desires to be ornamented by Radha's luster and by Radha's mood. Radha bhava duty shivalitam. Radha bhava, Radha's heart, and Radha duty, Radha's luster. So Krishna's Mahaprabhu will come externally covered by Sri Radha's hue and internally embraced by her mood. Or sometimes where Acharya will say, Krishna will steal that from Radha. And sometimes this is presented as such because Radha is not willing to give it so easily because she knows if I give you my bhav, my world of emotions, you don't have an idea what that will make to you. You will, you don't have an idea what's going on in my heart. She said, you will be on the ground crying and rolling and desperate and calling. I don't, I cannot tolerate thinking that you will fall on the ground and hit your head on the wall like Mahaprabhu did in Gambira. For rather just to think that Krishna may be experiencing walking barefoot on on the on the pastures of Vrindavan, for her just that's that's enough. That's too much to even think that that may happen, even if it's not happening. What is what's to speak for her to think he will be like rolling and heating? But Krishna, again, if she's no no, I won't give it to you, Krishna. Okay, I will steal it then. And I one way of putting it, like Krishna is known as a good thief. He has a PhD in that, uh, or still he has different degrees, but the PhD comes as Mahaprabhu. Uh, Krishna is known as Hari, he who takes away the, the thief, basically. And Krishna is famous for stealing what? The gopis' butter, uh, the gopis' clothes, Bastrahara and Alila, the heart. Krishna steals the complexion from the clouds, mm, the complexion from the tamal tree. Krishna says in the Gita, I'm stealing the sins from my devotees. I'm taking away, I'm taking away all uh, wealth. He says sometimes, just He's taking away, taking away. He's famous for being Hari, he who takes away. This is a famous song by Balavacharya, Chogra Ganya Ashtaka. It's just a praise of Krishna in terms of all that what he steals. He steals this, he steals all the song is about a list of his theft. Uh, <laughs> How do you say in English? The list of the theft that a criminal did? What? The record. The criminal record. That's the Chogra Ganya Ashtaka. Criminal record of her. You stole this, you stole that. You stole that. <laughs> so that's Krishna in Vrindavan, but as Mahaprabhu, he's able now to incur in the ultimate crime. The ultimate. Where he really deserves the title Hari. Thief. And is stealing Radha's bhava and Radha's kanti, you know, her heart and her luster. And then we call him Gaur Hari. Remember, Hari means thief, among other many things. Gaur Hari means the golden thief. Like when you say, this is a golden standard of something. You use the word golden to refer to the highest form of something, right? This is a golden rule, golden standard. Well, here you have the golden thief. So Mahaprabhu is a thief, and that's our hope, no? that he is a thief also, because that's on a connected note. This is a very nice story that Srila Siddharth will tell sometimes, and that's it. There are two policemen in India, and one of them tells 
Well, we worship Krishna, yes. And he is, he's a thief, yes. And we are policemen, yes. So I think that may be a problem. <laughs> we are policemen and our God is a thief. And we are here supposed to stop thievery. So I think maybe we are in a problem. And the other policemen say, no, no, there is no problem. Because a thief, what, what's the nature of a real thief? A real thief, even if you put walls, high walls, and locked doors and password, a real thief doesn't care for any of those things. He will somehow or other pass through everything and get to the treasure. So similarly, all those obstacles, high walls, locked doors, all, the, all those things we have put around our hearts. So nobody enters there. So our hope is that Krishna is a thief. No. We were very expert in building all these high things. Krishna, our hope is he will somehow or other enter and capture what belongs to him, so to say. What to speak as Gorhari, where his thievery attained a PhD, basically. No? <laughs> so <clears throat> again, as I mentioned, apart from tasting this. Krishna's Mahaprabhu is committed to, I will spread the glories of Sri Radha. I will try to explore the depth of her heart and I will sing her glories and make devotees for her. So all this is being included in this verse of the Bhagavatam that I'm referring. 10, 32, 22, I think, verse 22. So this, in one sense, the birth, birth of Gaur Lila in the Bhagavatam. Of course, Gaur Lila is eternal, but somehow we can connect it as a sequence, Gorlila is exploding here in the zenith of the Bhagavatam. In the Rasa Lila of the Bhagavatam, the highest point of the Rasa Lila, what comes? Gorlila. <laughs> so, in the highest point of Krishna Lila, Gorlila comes. So, that's an important point because in this way we can think oh, it's not, so, not only that Gorlila is giving us Krishna Lila, but Krishna Lila is giving us Gorlila. In the zenith of Krishna Lila, Gaur Lila comes. So we can say Gaur Lila is the natural extension of Krishna Lila. Is Krishna Lila re reaching a new level? Krishna Lila 2.0, as they say. <laughs> because in Gaur Lila, Krishna is experiencing something that he cannot experience in Vrindavan. In Braja Lila, in Krishna Lila, Krishna is not successful fully and he needs another Lila to be successful, to complete his degree, so to say. That's what I like to call Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the Supreme Personality of Krishna. Try to make the try to see the difference. Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna is two Bhagavan Swayam. Supreme Personality of Krishna. Swayam Swayam Bhagavan. <laughs> Krishna himself entering into a new role, into a new experience, going beyond the script of Raja Lila and entering into a new drama, so to say, Gaur Lila. Going beyond the script, not going beyond the scripture, but going beyond the script, so to say, to enter. And that creates a whole new scripture altogether, Chaitanya Bhagavatam, and so on, Chaitanya Charitamrita. We have Srimad Bhagavatam, and the evolution of Srimad Bhagavatam is Chaitanya Bhagavatam. It's another ext extension of the Bhagavatam, another chapter, Bhagavad Mahaprabhu. That's where the Bhagavatam concludes. <clears throat> hmm? 
The last verse of the Srimad Bhagavatam. What does it say? Nama Sankirtanam Jasya Sarva Papa Pranasanam Pranamoduka Shamanas Namami Hadimparam. The last, very last verse of the whole Bhagavatam ends up praising the Sankirtan of Mahaprabhu. So, as in the same way that the Bhagavad Gita leaves us at the feet of the Bhagavatam, because the conclusion of the Gita is Sarva Dharmam Parityaja. That's basically the end of the Gita. There are a few more verses, but that's the conclusion. Sarva Dharmam Parityaja. That's where the Bhagavatam begins. Dharma Pravito Kaitavo, verse number two. It's basically the same thing. Then the Bhagavatam concludes, Nama Sankirtanam Jasya, and Sapping Gaur Lila. So Gita puts us at the feet of the Bhagavatam. Bhagavatam goes to another Bhagavatam, Chaitanya Bhagavatam. Chaitanya Chaitanya. Mm -hmm. So, and when we go to books like Chaitanya Charitamrita, we will find expressions that show clearly how Mahaprabhu is, as we were talking today, uh, the Supreme Personality of Krishna. Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami will refer to Mahaprabhu as Paratattva Simma. That's a very important expression. Paratattva Simma, which means the highest possible limit of the Absolute Truth. That's Mahaprabhu. That's Krishna reaching new heights. It's still Krishna, don't forget, they are not two different people. But Mahaprabhu is Krishna tasting something that he couldn't taste as Krishna in Vrindavan. So it's the same Krishna extending itself, expanding itself into another lila to taste what he couldn't taste otherwise. So that's his, what he called Paratattva Simma. Hmm? This is very interesting, even if I, I don't have time now to go there, but the Mangala Charan of the Chaitanya Charitamrita, if you studied it in detail, you will see how gradually Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami starts to reveal verse after verse in the first six verses, the purpose of Mahaprabhu's descent. And finally, in, in, in the verse where he describes the purpose for Mahaprabhu coming, the three main desires, he will say, Sadaishvarya Purnam Jaiha Bhagavan Sasaya Maham Na Chaitanya Krishna Jagati Paratattam Panamiha. So he's saying, there is no other tattva or there is no other reality greater or equal to him, Mahaprabhu. Another way of saying para tattva simma. There's no other reality. There's no other form of God equal nor greater to him. <clears throat> Rupa Goswami says in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, Krishna in Dwarka is Purna, means complete. Krishna in Mathura is Purnatara, more complete. <laughs> Krishna in Vrindavan is Purnatama, most complete. Still it's always complete, of course. But there is, there is some gradation of completeness. And we could add to that Mahaprabhu is Purnatama Tama. No, he's the most complete of most complete. No? Krishna in general, he's known by name, many names. But you never generally hear that Krishna is called Mahaprabhu. He's generally called Prabhu. Huh? In, the, in the Bhagavad Gita, he's named Prabhu many times. But Mahaprabhu, Chaitanya Devi is called Mahaprabhu, the great Lord. Maha is connected to Mahabhav, the Mahabhav that he's tasting from Sri Radha. So the Mahabhav he's tasting, he's tasting makes him Mahaprabhu, not merely Prabhu. Sometimes I, I, I like to give the example, and I think this was an example given originally uh, by Sri Gaur Govinda Maharaj. 
he gives example of a how do you call this in English? This like sugar cane juice machines squeezing. How do you call the machine in itself? Sugar cane machine. Okay, you know which I refer to, right? So in connection to the rasa and the sweetness that that each one of the forms of Bhagavan presents. So you generally put the sugar cane to make the juice, and it's once, and some juice comes, but there you go again. More juice come, and again, and again, and so on. I especially remember those moments when we were in the in the cover in the Dandavat Parikram to Govardhan because at some point we were like dying of thirst. <laughs> we will see those shops and it's like, okay, you know, and they will put it again and again. It's like, stop, give me the glass. Right? <laughs> I don't know, a little bit more juice will be coming and will be okay. okay. So you can put, <laughs> no? so I, I'm using this analogy in connection to the different forms of God and how much juice is in each of them in terms of complete, more complete, most complete, and most and most complete. So you can put one first bamboo there and it comes some juice, Narayan. Now let's more juice again, second time. Oh, Ramachandra is coming. A little bit more. Put Dwarkadish Krishna. No, there's more juice to extract. Okay, Maturesh Krishna. Still there is more. Let's put it. Okay, Braja Krishna. Okay, it seems there is no more juice. No, no, no. There is more juice. One more time. No? Gore Krishna. Gore Sundar. Gore Hari. No, he's the most distilled, the more refined uh, version of the Absolute. <clears throat> uh, again, Krishna is no throughout the scriptures as Rasaraj, the king of Rasa, the king of the relishers of moods. But that name is only fully applicable when he is Mahaprabhu. Because if, if you only apply that to Krishna, Krishna himself lacks the experience of Radhabhav. So he is not Rasaraj, because there are certain Rasas that is unknown to him. So only when he appears as Mahaprabhu, then we can call him rightfully so Rasaraj. With all the letters, capital letters, so to say. <laughs> and again, this is because of this extra lila, so to say, if you want to call it, that is called Gaur Lila. Gaur Lila is Braja Lila, but extended to satisfy certain purposes. Sometimes the Charas call the Gaur Lila Parishista Lila. Parishista in Sanskrit refers to an appendix. No the appendix here, <laughs> the appendix of a book. So when you have an appendix, means you wrote the book, you finished, but there is something else that you want to add at the end that will make the whole thing complete. But it cannot be included in what you have already written. There's it's an extra chapter that will help everything else to have further sense. So Gaur Lila is the appendix to Krishna Lila. No? Krishna Lila is there, beautiful, successful, one level, but there is something else we need to make Krishna Lila fully successful, and that's called Gaur Lila. Hmm? Gaur Lila. And when Gaur Lila is there, everything attains full satisfaction. Hmm? <clears throat> Sometimes a poetic analogy is given, for especially for those of you here in, in Mayapur with the Ganga, hmm? because about the Ganga and about the Gaur Lila and the Krishna Lila. Hmm? So, and the Bhagavatam. We have the Srimad Bhagavatam, which mainly describes Krishna Lila. And we have the Chaitanya Bhagavatam, which describes Gorlila. So the Bhagavatam, Srimad Bhagavatam, was spoken by Vyasadev where? In the Himalayas. 
and that's where the Ganga begins, so to say. That's from where the Ganga starts its earthly current. So Bhagavatam was, try to follow the analogy, please. <laughs> so Bhagavatam was spoken by Vyasadeva in the Himalayas, where the Ganga begins its current. And in Navadvip, the Ganga kind of reaches its culmination before it enters into the ocean in the Bay of Bengal. So somehow, Gorlila is the culmination. As, as the Ganga culminates in Navadvip, Gorlila is the culmination of the Krishna Lila, which began in the Himalayas, so to say, by the narration of the Bhagavatam there. You follow my point? In Navadvip, the Ganga, and the Ganga becomes stable, so to say, upon reaching the ocean. It's not trying to make further effort to move somewhere else. And, and, and the same way, the Ganga here in Navadvip, again, becomes stable, the same way Gorlila is the point of your ultimate fulfillment. So there's no other necessary Lila other than Gorlila. It's not that, okay, now we need another Lila apart from Gorlila. Gorlila is the fulfillment of Krishna Lila. That's basically the point. In Gorlila Mahaprabhu, again, Krishna is obtaining his PhD as Mahaprabhu. <laughs> Whatever Krishna lacked in, in, in Krishna Lila, he's attaining that in Gorlila by the mercy of Sri Radha. Whatever lack of, if we want to use the word, lack of adhikar, lack of eligibility, to put it poetically, Krishna and Brindan feels. I want to experience some things that I cannot experience. I need to increase my adhikar. So how to increase my adhikar? How to increase my eligibility? Okay, that will come by Radha's grace. But grace, as we know, can be fully appreciated by sadhana. If we don't engage in sadhana, grace may be there, but we are not like even aware of that. So, so Krishna knows, okay, in order for me to increase my adhikar and be successful, I need Sri Radha's grace. And for that, I need to engage in practice. So that's why Krishna appears as a practitioner, as a sadhaka. Mahaprabhu is Krishna as a sadhaka, as a devotee, interestingly. So Krishna becomes a sadhaka to attain his ultimate perfection as Mahaprabhu, by Radha's grace. And who is Radha and Gorlila? That's another chapter altogether, but... Because many times we say, okay, Mahaprabhu is Radha and Krishna combined. Yes, but in which sense combined? Hmm? Now, Radha, Bhava, Duty, Subhalitam, Nomi, Krishna, Sarupan, say Krishna, that's correct. Mahaprabhu is Krishna, tasting the mood of Radha. But still, he's Krishna. And where is Radha in Gorlila then? Gadar, Gadadar Pandit. So, that's a whole different, we need a few thousand hours to talk about that. <laughs> but two words about Gadadar Pandit, because this is very important also. So we say, okay, Mahaprabhu is Krishna's Supreme Personality of Godhead. Mahaprabhu is Supreme Personality of Krishna. Shirada is Supreme Personality of the Goddess. Gadadhar is the supreme personality of Radha. It's corresponding. No? If Mahaprabhu is Krishna in his highest moment, Radha, Gadadhar will be Radha in her highest moment, trying to be up to the necessity of the situation to serve her beloved according to the need of the moment. 
So Krishna wants to fully taste Radha Bhav. So Radha will appear as Gadadhar to fully give that Bhav to Krishna as Mahaprabhu so he can be successful. Now Radha will appear as Gadadhar emptying her heart completely. That's the highest form of service. Emptying myself, giving my heart, giving my bhav, so my beloved can be successful. Krishna as Mahaprabhu is in his moment of greatest need. Remember, we talked about that before, need. So Krishna has needs out of love. And the need he has as Mahaprabhu is the greatest. He wants to taste the heart of Radha. There cannot be a greatest necessity than that. Try to imagine. So if he's in such a need, Krishna is in such a need, Radha is seeing that. She's saying, oh, my, my pranana is in such a need. Therefore, I am in such a need. Because his needs are my needs. So Mahaprabhu is Krishna in his moment of greatest need. Gadadhar is Radha in her moment of greatest need, attending the needs of her beloved. Mm -hmm. Because again, if Gadadhar, if Radha's Gadadhar wouldn't be giving her heart and bhav to Mahaprabhu, Mahaprabhu wouldn't be successful. Gorlila would be a failure, basically. The most important figure in the whole Gorlila is Gadadhar Pandit. Because the main purpose of Gorlila is Mahaprabhu tasting Radha bhav. But that cannot happen if Radha's Gadadhar is not giving that bhav. So Krishna as Mahaprabhu, Mahaprabhu's Krishna is depending on Gadadhar to receive the blessing of that bhavan and experience it. Without Gadadhar Pan, there is no Gorlila, basically. <laughs> Although interestingly, Gadadhar Pan is one of the less known figures in the whole Gorlila that we the people speak the less. Because it's Radha totally in the background, disappearing behind and allowing Krishna to shine forth as Mahaprabhu tasting that with perfect humility, not wanting to take any attention. <laughs> when Mahaprabhu is successful and experiencing Radha Bhav, where is Gadadhar Pandit? We don't hear anything about that. Gadadhar Pandit totally disappeared into the background in Tota Gopinath, in Jagannath Puri, serving there very humbly behind the curtains, in ecstasy, witnessing how my Krishna is successful. You know? <laughs> <clears throat> so generally we know of Mahaprabhu as Mahabadanya, no, he's the most generous. But why he's the most generous? Because he's sharing something that first he experienced. But what he experienced is depending on Gadadhar Pandit allowing that to happen. So, in other, in other words, follow the sequence. Mahaprabhu is Krishna in his most generous moment because that because Gadadhar is Radha in her most generous moment. Follow my point. Radha is in her most generous moment giving her bhav to Krishna as Mahaprabhu. Mahaprabhu can taste that and then distribute that. And only then he is the most generous. So he's the most generous because she's the most generous. If she wouldn't be giving that gift to him, he So again, I hope you're at least some of this point help you to understand. Gorlila is very deep. <laughs> Gorlila is very profound, very ecstatic, very intense. And the ser service necessity in Gorlila is equally, accordingly, correspondingly deep and intense. Mm -hmm. So this Gorlila is so sweet and so beautiful that 
some of some devotees, hopefully all, but some at least want to participate in that in eternity. Again, as I said in the beginning, give me a few more minutes before concluding. So Gaur Lila for us is not just a mere bridge to Krishna Lila. As you can see, Gaur Lila is deep and beautiful enough as to just be used as a bridge that then we will burn. And now I'm in Vrindavan. Thank you so much, Gaur Lila. No, some devotees want to participate in Gaur Lila eternally. So in our tradition, that's that's presented, that's allowed. You can have what we call Golok Vrindavan, and there is a chamber, so to say, in that Golok Vrindavan called Golok Navadvip or Nitya Navadvip. So in our tradition, we can have an identity in Krishna Lila, an identity in Gaur Lila. Don't try to think too much about it because that may be too much, but that's described by Bhakti Notakur, Vishwanacha, Govartakur, and many other acharyas. So, <clears throat> and, and, and there's a very simple way of explaining why a Nitya Navadvip, why a Navadvip for eternity, because Mahaprabhu is tasting the, the, the mood of Sri Radha. He tasted that on earth, as we know in, from the tradition. And it is said that at the end of his lila, he was successful in tasting Radha Bhav. But also we could make the case that, I mean, Radha Bhav is Sudam Birasi, as, as, as Prabhu Dananda Saraswati Thakur said, Radha Padam Bojas Sudam Burasi. Radha Padam Bojas Sudam Burasi. The, the service, the experience of Radha's heart is like in an endless ocean. So, okay, Krishna tasted Radha Bhav, but Radha Bhav is an endless, bottomless ocean. So you cannot ever taste it completely. It's not that, okay, I, I know everything now. What's Radha Bhav? That, that exactly means you don't have an idea what's Radha Bhav. So the idea is if Radha Bhav, the experience of Radha Bhav is a bottomless ocean, it means that Krishna tasted something to a degree to consider he was successful, but that doesn't mean that it ended up there. So it can be eternally tasted without end. And that's why we need an eternal Gorlila, where Mahaprabhu will be eternally dedicated to explore the depth, to excavate the depth of that bottomless ocean forever. That's for me will be the main logical explanation of why there has to be a Gorlila for eternity. Although the Goswamis are not talking about that, I mean, the Goswamis hardly talk about Mahaprabhu, the six Goswamis of Vrindavan, because their mission is to establish the, the foundation of the Sampradaya and, and some other elements. But also they say a few things about Mahaprabhu, which in time other Goswamis, like Krishna Das, Kavirash Goswami, they unfold. Because that's an important point. I, I have some discussions with scholars who say, well, if the Goswami didn't say anything about Nityanavadip, there cannot be Nityanavadip. If the Goswami said, Okay, if they did not say, but that's not only how Siddhanta comes. Goswami established the foundation of our Siddhanta, but there's place for developing our Siddhanta in a way that does not contradict the original Siddhanta. So new, new contributions, new realizations will be coming as long as they do not contradict the foundational revelation. That's parampara, basically. And the Goswami described Mahaprabhu is an avatar, Gaur avatar. So if you're an avatar, means what? 
What does it mean avatar? It means descending, divine descent. So if you are a divine descent, means you are descending from somewhere. <laughs> See, Mahaprabhu is descending from somewhere, means he has his eternal abode. Mm -hmm. Mahaprabhu is described by the Goswamis as the deity of our Sampradaya, the deity. A deity cannot be, if, you, if someone is in Istadev, a deity, it has to be worshipable eternally. Because if not, it cannot be a deity. It has to be someone who eternally has a particular form that is eternally worshipable. If not, he couldn't be in our altar. Because, okay, worshipable for this lifetime, but then in eternity, he's not. But the altar is a portal to eternity. Hmm? So anyhow, in Navadvip, two words about Nitya Navadvip, and with this we are concluding, because we are here in Navadvip now, Mayapur, one of the islands, so which is a replica on Earth of the eternal Navadvip, without those sounds from background, that's for sure. <laughs> they somehow construct things, but without need to. <laughs> so <coughs> generally, it is, it is described that we will be serving Mahaprabhu, in Dasya Baba, in Dasya Baba, in, ser in servanthood, servitude mood, which is a servitude mixed with sakya, mixed with friendship, it's similar to the relationship the disciples should have with the Guru. Service, but with intimacy and trust and confidence, a type of friendship, Vishramba. So, and this is something interesting that I would like to make because I've heard about saying, Oh, it's Dasya Bhavi Nitenavi, so that's inferior to, to Madhurya Bhavi Vrindavan. Well, sometimes we, we end up in these head trips and we start to calculate everything and, and we only want the highest thing. <laughs> More to, to receive some type of title that I I I I am for the highest thing only, you know. Which at the end of the day, many times it's just ego, right? <laughs> I want to be known as subscribed to the highest thing. Even if I'm not willing to do what is required to be part of that, but <laughs> I want my name in the list, this list. <laughs> but the point is that uh, the Dacia of Nityanavadi is also in itself a form of uh, what we call Radha Dasyam. In Brindavan, we have what we call Radha Dasyam or Manjari Bha or the service to Sri Radha. In Brajalila, that's generally established as the main gift of Mahaprabhu, although there's a place for other modes, and that's a separate conversation, but there's a place. So, but in Brindavan we can serve, for example, to give an example, there's Radha Dasyam to Radha, but in Navadvip there is Dasyam to Mahaprabhu, but Mahaprabhu is tasting Radha Bha. So we are offering Dasyam to the Radha Bha that Mahaprabhu is experiencing. So that's a form of Radha Dasyam also. We could call it the Radha Bhav Dasyam. We are serving the Radha Bhav heart of Mahaprabhu, which is Dasyam. Radha Dasyam is Dasyam. And Dasyam to Mahaprabhu is another form of Radha Dasyam. <clears throat> you follow my point? Just to not take the ideas like very cheaply, basically. So the two of them are there. And again, before concluding, just the reminder, you know, Gaur Lila and Krishna Lila are non-different. As, as much as we can talk as different, equally we will talk about the non-difference. Again, bed, a bed. We have to learn to navigate this equation. Krishna and Mahaprabhu are the same person, and at the same time, there is a difference in 
in mood and experience of the same person. Mm -hmm. There, there's different prominence in certain things that are being experienced. And there are devotees who will have more inclination to serve these two faces of the same person or one more than the other. Bhakti Nautakur said that some have the affinity to serve Krishna and Vrindavan, some have the affinity to serve Mahaprabhu and Naudib, some have the affinity to serve both. I have some have the affinity to serve both equally or in different proportions. It's, there's place for everything. No? Like if like if you read, I don't know, it comes to my mind, Prabodhananda Saraswati, he wrote, for example, on one side, Radha Rasa Sudhanidhi. So you study Radha Rasa Sudhanidhi, and, and the author, Prabodhananda Saraswati, he's praising Sri Radha and the service to Sri Radha, and Radha Dasim. So he seems to be like really, wow, he's 108% exclusively for this. And then you go to other book that he wrote called Chaitanya Chandrambrita, and then you are like, he's absolutely biased <laughs> toward Mahaprabhu. <laughs> he's completely part. And again, in one sense, there is no difference, no. But he expressed himself, the worship of Mahaprabhu is more attractive to me than the worship of Krishna. He sounds like a fanatical of Mahaprabhu. <laughs> mm. So again, there is place for different moods. I think after saying all these things about the superlative supremacy, su superlative supremacy of Gorlila, also I want to, how to say, to balance my presentation saying there is place for different affinities and some devotees may not feel that call or may feel that call at the end, like Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami says in Chaitanya Charitamrita, every devotee will feel that their relationship with God is the best, and every devotee is correct. Huh? That's interesting. Every devotee feels, oh, my relationship with Krishna is the best, or Hanuman will feel, Ram is the real thing. No. <laughs> and everyone is correct at the same time in their own subjective, real experience. So we don't want to become, like, discriminate people according to rasa. Oh, this is the only, the highest rasa, or this is the only thing you come to my tribe. Because if we do that, we will be engaging in what I like to call racism. <laughs> Not racism, racism. To be racist in the context of rasa, <laughs> right? So don't be racist. <laughs> Yeah, don't be racist and don't be racist either. Yeah, that's that's even worse, probably. Yeah, and every time I say racist, there was no more racist, racist. No, no, it's racist. <laughs> it can also be racist. No, so we don't want to be racist, racist in the context of gore, rasa. No, but there is a place for having that inspiration. And we are very fortunate that Sadakas, again, being part of Gore Lila of the Harinam Sankirtan of Mahaprabhu to participate uh, in the process that he established that, that is bringing forth his unique experience of madness, divine love. I mean, this is the famous case where Mahaprabhu, the devotees of Mahaprabhu were, were arriving to Jagannath Puri and on the on the rooftop of the palace, Prataparudra Maharaj is asking uh, Gopinathacharya, He's looking with binoculars, probably like all the all the associates of Mahaprabhu coming and rolling on the ground and crying and all wet in tears and expressing symptoms of love that he never saw. 
Anpur is well known for different religious expressions. So the king was accustomed to see different religious expressions, but he never saw something like that. And he saw all the group of Mahaprabhu like expressing this type of things. And he asked like, what's that? No, <laughs> what's that? And Gopinathacharya replies saying, Chaitanya Shristi Prem Sankirtan. That's the exclusive creation of Sri Chaitanya. That's called Prem Sankirtan. Ultimately, it's not only Harinam Sankirtan, it's Prem Sankirtan. So somehow or other, we are part of that. We are invited on that journey. We are blessed with the not only with the bliss and the prospect of the most beautiful and intimate Raja Lila, but again, for those who want the natural extension, the appendix-like uh, version of Krishna Lila, this ultimate superlative supreme experience of Gaur Lila here, as well as in eternity. So I want to speak of most of you, blessed souls living in Sri Dham, no? living in the Dham, like Sri Naudu Dham, which again, as we say before, a Dham is made of the mood. And, I'm, and, and a Dham is not a place, not just a geographical place, it has to do with what's the mood prevailing there. So we have today shared a few ideas about what's the mood of Gaur Lila, Gaur Tatwa. So we can also understand, okay, what's the mood prevailing here? <laughs> If I'm living here, and even if you are not living here physically, we are invited to reset here internally. So, some thoughts today I want to share. My, I hope you have fastened your seatbelt before we started. <laughs> and as you can see, we went into a slightly different direction today, but I wanted to to go in this direction of Gaur Lila Gaur Tatwa because it's a very personally a very important topic that I consider we. As Gaudiya Vaishnava need to be, to be very well acquainted with and, and properly honor who Mahaprabhu is, no? what's the Leela, what's the reach of the Leela, and so on. So <clears throat> we'll leave here, but we can spend a few minutes if you have questions or comments related to the topic. So we stay on topic. So because tomorrow also we'll have last meeting with QA on any topic. So let's keep the questions today on the topic. If there are any questions and tomorrow if you have questions on slightly different topic tomorrow will be the day for that yeah yes so Maharaj, you uh, thank you so much Maharaj. Maharaj, you talked about that printout it's about rather and nobody it's about rather and i wanted to ask that because we cannot understand the mandakriya mahabhav we can understand what we cannot understand the mandakriya mahabhav mm. mm -hmm. and you're saying that it's radha bhavadasa we're serving the radha in bhav so mm -hmm. how are we going to serve something that we don't understand mm -hmm. we cannot do that so we cannot serve yes how? we have to understand first <laughs> I mean, we can understand. We can understand that there's something, there are two points here. It's not that we cannot understand that, but it's that we can endlessly understand it. That's not the same. It's not that, for example, it's not that you cannot understand God. You can understand God but he can be understood endlessly. It's not the same. 
So in the same way, Madanakya Mahabha, which is a technical term to refer to the highest peak of experience that Sri Radharani has, we can understand that, of course, not intellectually. <laughs> there is a, 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 an intellectual introduction to that. You can study Uchpal Nilamani and some sections in Shastra which describe, this is Madanakya Mahabha, these are the symptoms and all the conceptual orientation, but then you have to receive experience and realization and mercy to, to really understand what we are talking about. So in that, as much as that's coming in time, because that's not a cheap thing, don't expect to have it in the next weekend or something, the more mercy and grace come is coming by sincere practice, the more we can understand, the more we can serve the, those things that we are understanding. But there will be always something that, yeah, we have not yet fully understood. That's why in my, in my book on radical personalism, I mentioned uh, you can never fully love Krishna. You, God can, Krishna never can never be fully loved. Because even if you love him fully, he can always be more loved. <laughs> That's the nature of love. In that sense, you can never say, I already fully love Krishna. I cannot love Krishna more. That, that's an oxymoron. That goes against the nature of love. Against the very definition of love. So, so in that sense, you can never fully understand God. You can never fully love God. But it doesn't mean that you cannot at all understand him or serve him or love him. And that's what allows a perpetual unfolding for eternity. Because if at some point I already fully understand Krishna, I already fully serve Krishna, I already fully love Krishna, things become stagnant, boring. There's nothing else to do. And that's not our idea of heaven, so to say. Because that sounds more like hell to me. No, a place where there's nothing to do. I already attained everything. Nothing new, no, no discovery, no excitement. <laughs> so... So yeah, one can understand Madanakya Mahabab on some way, on some level, not here, although it always begins here, everything. We receive some information, but then we have to apply ourselves in practice and make that information transformation. Information, it's there to bring transformation. If it just remains as information, that's a problem. So, so yeah, I mean, again, Krishna himself as Mahaprabhu is still understanding Madanaki Mahabha eternally. So it's, it doesn't mean he doesn't understand. It's just, it's endless. So in the same way we can understand, we, so we can serve that, but that keeps expanding. I know it's difficult for us to think in terms of something ever expanding. And I think that's, that's one of the most important points we may need to establish. Huh? What? The, the universe? Yes. The is yes. Not, not just expanding, it's expanding more quick mm -hmm. and never yeah. understand. Yeah. And there are t and there are even theologians who will make the case that <clears throat> the expansion that we see here in the universe. It's actually a reflection of the expansion that goes on in God's heart. 
that become somehow reflected here. Because we also say whatever we find here is like a it's a reflection of the spiritual world. So here we have we find expansiveness is because in the higher realm there is expansiveness. Love is ever expanding, ever evolving. So I think we need to emphasize that a lot. You no, know, to, to to think of our life, of our practice as ever expanding, ever evolving. Not so much I'm here, I do the correct things, I reach the goal, end of the story. <laughs> but something that is constantly moving, expanding, growing forever. It's not that we reach there and now I have my my cloud, I can rest forever, and I'm just like I'm saved. <laughs> Now, once you reach there, that's when the real thing begins, in one sense. <laughs> when you're fully awakened, fully realized, fully loved, that's when you can really expand and grow without limits, without conditioning. So, yeah, anyhow, dumb thoughts, yeah. Something else? Oh, Maivan, coming from the dark. <laughs> What what do you mean trying to understand what happens in Brindown, like becoming more familiar with Krishna Leela and so on? Mm -hmm. And yeah, you see that it's never ending. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't make it like a law, no, like first this and then this, because if not, you will spoil the whole thing. I've seen different cases and it worked in different ways. I've seen the bodies who got introduced with Gorlila. And then they went more to Krishna Lila, and they they went back to Gor Lila with another depth. So and they then went back to Krishna uh, because again it's not just like it's, you can perpetually. So I, I will make a law with that again. So whatever the two of them can work at, at least having this general idea that, that what I shared today, whether you go to Gor Lila or Krishna Lila, you know how much they are the two of them interrelated uh, so basically that I don't want to I'm not the person who will be like this is the only way to do it the other way around total danger no no. but again probably one, one begins with Gorlila but without maybe going too much into the depths of like Srila Prabhupada when he went to, to the west if you study his schedule, so to say, the, the first lectures he will give in the West mostly were Chaitanya Charitamrita. Because he was so much with that. When he, he If you read his letters in the Jaladutta, he was studying Chaitanya Charitamrita and relishing the depths of Gorlila. And he went to New York and started to give lectures of Chaitanya Charitamrita, and he realized, oh no, this is too much. <laughs> and he stopped giving lectures on Chaitanya Charitamrita. Before reaching the West, he wrote this book on, on the conversation between Ramananda Roy and Mahaprabhu, who is the highest point in one sense of the Gorlila. But then when he went to the West, he was like, okay, let's adjust to the situation and 
but he made it clear gorely. I mean, generally the sequence he presented was Bhagavad Gita, Bhagavatam, Chaitanya, Charitamrita. So in that sense, he puts Gorlila after Krishna Lila. But of course, it doesn't mean that he, that we will never talk about Gorlila unless and until we finish studying the 12 cantos or something. So, so there is some some reference for some good reasoning for okay, let's go to Krishna Lila. And then let's go to Gorlila. But but let's see all this together also. But again, with this, if someone tells me, Maharaj, but I'm feeling some inspiration to study Chaitanya, I'm not canceling that. I mean, just, I think at least it's good to keep in mind the connection between the two and how one is very naturally expanding into the other, so to say. As long as we have that proper connection and we don't see them as separate. But we don't see just Gorlila as a mere bridge, so to say. I think we are on safe ground, whether we are with one Lila starting, with the other Lila starting. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Well, something else? One more? Okay. 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 Let's start with her then. You already made one question. Sorry? Uh, we said Gorlila, um, Mahaprabhu's eternally in the Tenantri. Is he also preaching there then? Because he's all about giving away. Preaching to whom? So that aspect of him will not be there in the Tenantri. Oh. It's only when he comes to. Of course, because in Mithinadri, all of them are eternally as liberated. I mean, yeah, liberated yeah. people, so you don't have anyone to preach to. <laughs> of course, they will. I mean, if. If you understand preaching, that's also a point to make. If you understand preaching as talking to newcomers to make them connect, no. Because sometimes the word preaching also there is, you hear expression like rasa prachar. Also preaching can be turned, taken in terms of sharing harikata. And of course that will happen eternally. But you are not like recruiting new members because I, I mean, for you to be Nityanavadi by definition, you cannot be in the spiritual world <laughs> without being ready to be in the spiritual world. And if you are there, you know you don't need to be preached to. No? It's like it's like like when this disciple of Prabhupada on earth, <laughs> he told they were visiting Radha Kunda Brindavan, which according to Rupa Goswami is the highest of the highest. And the devotee was like very young and very enthusiastic, but very like innocent, like Prabhupada. Uh, I'd like to open a temple here, no? Because, of course, at that time, the idea was, like, open temples everywhere. And Prabhupada was like, a temple here in Radha for what? And the devotee was, like, shocked, like, Prabhupada asking him for what? I said, for preaching. And Prabhupada said, no, no, no. Say Radha is not a place for ordinary activities like preaching. Of course, we are not saying preaching is ordinary. He's saying ordinary in connection to what's going on in Radakund internally. Like in play, Radakund is not a place to try to distribute books. It's a place for absorbing the lila forever. <laughs> so you follow my point, right? So so yeah, Nityanavadu, that part of the... Of course, there is Sankirtan as a daily basis. If you study the... We have done a study in the past of the Astakaliya lila. In Navadvip, because there is one in Krishna, the eight periods, but there's one in Navadvip, and they are all day long, of course, engaged in Sankirtan, but it's not so much like 
to newcomers, but the Sankirtan is for their own inner experience, like it was the Sankirtan in Sriva Sangam. Interestingly, the Sankirtan of Mahaprabhu did not begin in the streets. It began in Sriva Sangam, in a closed circle, for relishing internal moods. It was not so much about getting newcomers, but it was about inner experience. And that started to overflow and, and then became... So that's, as we always say, no, achar, 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 prachar, <laughs> naturally. In connection to that, how can grace be appreciated by sadhana? You are asking that because I mentioned that. You mentioned that. Yeah. And how to get that faith in sadhana and what is sadhana? Because sadhana could mean different things to many people or, you know, what the guru tells. But sometimes it's hard to have faith because someone is shining 32 rounds or 16 rounds or 64 rounds. And then I am just honestly sharing. Like, how do you get faith that the sadhana is helping me? How do you have faith in Well, generally, of course, as you mentioned, before speaking about sadhana, one has to perform sadhana in connection to to. I mean, technically speaking, according to Rupa Goswami, sadhana bhakti begins with Guru Padasraya. When he lists 64 angas of sadhana bhakti, the first is taking shelter in the Guru, receiving siksha, diksha, and serving the Guru. So there is saranagati first. There is surrender. First. In the context of surrender, you engage in sadhana. Before that, he calls bhakti samanya bhakti, which is more like general bhakti. Sadhana bhakti is specifically some, something that generally one engaged under the, the guidance of, of guru, Vaishnavas. So, and, and of course, the idea is how to have faith in sadhana because you are engaged in sadhana with the guidance of someone that supposedly you have faith in because hopefully you accepted your guru <laughs> by faith, you know, by, by having certain experiences. And by this, I mean faith that were undeniable enough as to say, I want to give my life to that person and surrender to that person. So based on that faith and trust in that person that guides me in sadhana, I will engage in sadhana with faith in the sadhana because I have faith in the person who is engaging me, guiding me in sadhana. So it's, I think it's important to, yeah, to connect all these things so sadhana doesn't remain like an isolated thing that me and my practice, but it's always something that we engage in in anugatya, no? which is like following the footsteps of other people that are engaging us in that, talk, instructing us in that. So, yeah, that will be the answer. And after many years, I could understand that I am very much attracted to Krishna Lila. And after many, many years, although I, have, I think I have somehow served Goranga Lila, I, I don't understand a word about that Lila. And I have more appreciation. And for me, it's very magical and mystical personality of Mahaprabhu. But, um, moment when um, Adalila is revealed, then there is possibility, there is Goranagari uh, Rasa with Mahaprabhu when they have a special bhajan and they reveal all Rasa to Mahaprabhu. 
for me it's so high that I um, allow myself to say I don't understand, I don't reach it, I don't understand, and um, and I'm in kind of um, uh, fog. It's just a moment when I have to. I'm going out of the trying to understand or to reach. Okay. Um, yes. Let me see if I understood the question because. You mentioned Adi Lila, and then you mentioned no, no, Gore Nagar. But you mentioned that in Chaitanya Charitamrita there is a description of Gore Nagar, because that's not the case. There is a description of one where I just try to get precise. And in that uh, kirtan, Mahaprabhu is revealing his rasa to each of this kind of secret kirtan. Mm. Okay. And then, then he is revealing his rasa to each associate. Mm -hmm. And this is for me more moment of mind blowing. I don't. Uh, this is like for top for me that I got and I. I don't understand since that point. I don't understand anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's so very confusing. It was. What's a confusing thing? Because it's simply it's too high. I can understand okay. Rasa for. Uh, and I I can understand between Rasa and Krishna. It's uh, prema, and I can understand. All other rasas, not only five, but there is twelve of them, like that. I mm -hmm. can accept that, I, mm -hmm. I can enjoy that. But what is going on with Mahabrabhu, I don't, I don't address. I simply don't address. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I have hope for when, uh, for revelation when I'm so ready that mm -hmm. I can reveal what I see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I I think that also it helps that. <clears throat> I mean, it's it's fine that one feels this mind blowing. I mean, that's idea, <laughs> great. This is too high. Yes, great. <laughs> so we we remain in proper awe and astonishment about that. But also, I think it's in time it's good that we get more introduced to. Some of the things that we are talking today, what's actually happening in Gorlila, what's the inner experience, the inner mood in which the devotees serve Mahaprabhu, how that, that's expressed on a daily basis, what happens in the eternal day of Mahaprabhu, what's Mahaprabhu experiencing. I mean, there are descriptions of all that, you know, and, and, and there are different books or katas lectures that I'm not saying that everyone should go there immediately, but I'm saying that in time one may become gradually more acquainted if one feels that inspiration of course it's not something forced but <clears throat> but yeah at least in general is what i mentioned not the mood to serve mahaprabhu is in dhasya bhav understanding that he's ex what's ex what's what's he experiencing inside his heart is the radha bhav uh, and, and, and actually, one will be serving in that and in, in that service, in, in that identification to what Maha, in relation to what Mahaprabhu is experiencing. It is described how every devotee will also enter into their particular mood in Vrindavan as well. 
So Mahaprabhu is, because sometimes also Mahaprabhu is a complex figure. Mahaprabhu doesn't only experience Radhavala. Sometimes if you study the Gaur Lila, he will enter into Krishna Bhava. Sometimes he will enter into Nisrimha Bhava. <laughs> so, and so on. Sometimes it is said that he experiences Manjari Bhava also in Chaitanya Charitamrita in a few sections. So it's a complex personality for sure. But it takes time. No, no, no rush, but at the same time, if one is willing to gradually enter into those mysteries, of course, one has to pray sincerely, we have to be in good association, and one has to be gradually more exposed to explanations as descriptions of what's that about. Now, today we just touch upon, I mean, today was just very much a, I don't know, a preface to that. I mean, we actually in one sense never didn't enter extremely into that. It was just like for us to be aware of, okay, Gorlila is not, is much more than what we may think it is. So, yeah, we will be always students forever, as to let's say, also. No? I have one last question. Okay. I have the same question. The same question? Okay, we'll conclude with this last question, which is the same question you have. Tomorrow we have more Q&A, remember. <laughs> That's why I made the Q&A for tomorrow also. Yeah, yeah. Because you were talking about um, Dharma Ashtika, and how Krishna was daily sitting and tasting. Oh. Oh. I was wondering that then, why doesn't he take our anarthas away so recently if he's so eager to take everything? Because we are not very eager to let them go also. <laughs> We are very expert at putting opposition to his thievery. I mean, he's a good thief, but also, I mean, we have our own will also. We are not machines. So he wants also to honor our our freedom, so to say. You know? and, and he's already taken away so much. We may we may be more aware still, like, oh, I have so many an art, I have all this an art still, and probably that's the case, but sometimes we don't see how much Krishna is already purifying and taking away. But we should take responsibility for that. No? I mean, not, not to enter into a guilt trip, but not to think, oh, Krishna is cruel or he's not so merciful. I mean, he's willing, as we spoke many times. He already loves us unconditionally and fully. And he's so willing to relate to each of us from the highest place. But also he's waiting for us to do our part in the relationship. No? It's reciprocal. And sometimes we are perfectly expert to put opposition to that. We have such an adhikar to be an obstacle <laughs> to grace. Mm -hmm. no, not to feel depressed and over-chastise ourselves, but because an artist means false value, and we are attached to false values. We are attached to see things as they are not. That's our reality. That's our identity. That's who we think we are. So when those artists are pointed and we are invited to transcend them, if we don't have a very robust sense of identity in a deep and a spiritual level, we won't be able to let go of the other thing because it's the only identity we have. Uh, and we don't want to be deprived of identity because we will go crazy. Mm -hmm. So that's why we generally cling on an art because an art provides a sense of identity, false, but a sense of identity. I am this, I am that, I have it. So we feel unconsciously even threatened when we will say, okay, it's letting go of our artist, kind of letting go of who I am.
So we need enough realization to understand that's not who I am, and to have realization of who I am. So the more I have realization of who I am, naturally I can let go of, of who I am not, which means an artha. But for that, we have to have more and more realization of artha or paramartha instead of, and that will help us to let go of the anartha. So we have to, that's why bhajana kriya first and anartha nibriti then. The more you engage in bhajan, the more you acquire a positive realization, experience, sense of identity, the more naturally an artist will go, not the opposite way around, not trying to let go of the artist mm. without developing, culturing a positive sense of who I am actually are, having deep experience. It, it won't happen. So, yeah. So Krishna is not to fall for that. <laughs> He's trying to be as good as a thief as he can, but there's a part we have to play also, yeah. Okay, so let's conclude here, and tomorrow, if there are any remaining questions, we will have our last meeting, same time, same place, just Istagosti, so questions and answers, and we can share some other topics. So, Sri Man Mahaprabhu Ki Jai, Sri Sri Gornityananda Ki Jai, Sri Sri Gorgadadar Ki Jai, Harinam Sankirtan Ki Jai, Sri Mayapur Dham Ki Jai, Gaur Bhakta Vrind Ki Jai, Gaur Priman Haribo, Vanchakal Patarubhya Sagripa Sindhuvya Vachapati Tanam Pavane Vyo Vaishnavivya Namon, Ananta Koti Vaishnavrind Ki Jai, Gaur Haribo.